calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover. And you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Did you actually clap then? I did, did not. Uh... It came through as like the weakest sounding oh, little. It's got a wheel. I've got a big line on my on my. On it my sounded like a bit of lettuce being dropped on a desk. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another IGN UK podcast. It's me, Simon Cardi, with Joe Scrabbles. Hello. Hello. Matt Perslow, hello. 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 Isn't this lovely to be a... Uh, this is a very CBBC about... vibe you're bringing into the podcast <laughs> really? this week. Um, like one of those... Uh, they should get me onto one of those bedtime stories where they get all the celebs <laughs> on, like Tom Hardy or whoever. Yeah, I mean, you've got a way to go. But yeah, we'll get you there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, who's this? Who the hell is this? Um, we don't want to scare the children. He was that right. boy that was on BBC News. <laughs> yeah, on, for a whole like six seconds. That's it. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't think either of you like Always Sunny, but there's a, there's a bit in Always Sunny where someone's very excited about being on the news because um, <laughs> he talked for twenty minutes about a bus crash, and then it's just <laughs> it was crazy, and that was basically Cardi's uh, appearance on BBC <laughs> News, as far as I understand it. And they call me a gaming journalist, which I'm not. I'm not a journalist, but you're you a know critic. What? It's, it's 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 parlance, isn't it? If they they don't want to just write. Here's some guy talking about FIFA. Anyway, yeah. I, I, I was once on a TV program about games and I got referred to as a Nintendo expert and I, I was annoyed. Ooh. I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be known as a journalist in that yeah. instance, but Just not to be. Like big nerd. But I am on um, IMDb because of it, so it's all good. I, I, I doubt I am. Um, let's talk about some films and games because that's what we do on this podcast half of the time. Um... Top Gun Maverick. Did you fly into the danger zone, Cardi? Is that what I we're going? I did. I was very lucky to see Top Gun Maverick this week, the mm-hmm. sequel to Top Gun. Um, <laughs> if if, if the, you weren't aware. The sequel to Hot Shots Part 2. <laughs> yes. The sequel um, to Matthew Perslow's dad's favourite film of all time. Exactly. Is, it's you, is your dad getting very excited? Oh, God. He, like... 
all the way, you know, they kept delaying it. I just kept getting mm. Facebook messages from him all the time, just going, when are they bringing it out? When is it coming out? <laughs> like, just wait, Dad, they'll tell he's, you soon. He's, he's got less than two weeks to wait. It is out on the 25th of May in the UK, I think a couple of days mm. after in the US. And let me tell you, Mr. Perslow should be very excited for this <laughs> film, Matt, because I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Can I ask, key, yes. key to the Top Gun mystique is that yes. when you go back and watch Top Gun, you realise that it doesn't have any plot. Like, oh yeah, it's a series of sketches without jokes about yeah. planes, <laughs> and it's, it's great very for enjoyable. That. Oh, it's yeah, amazing! It's... I love it. Like, it's it's basically avant-garde cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, there's We're... nothing to it. It's a it's a slice of life for a fucking. This one is volleyball dick. <laughs> more plot uh, heavy. Okay, I would say it's you know, it's not a twisting, turning plot. You're going very A to B, but what it is, it's set in the present day. It's set like. It's set 36 years after the original. That's when the original came out, 36 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and it does again follow Tom Cruise's Pete Mitchell, who, he looks good for his age, doesn't he? Well, oh he is a, a magical man. Um, I honestly forgot that his name wasn't just Maverick, like a, like a, like a Brazilian <laughs> football player. Like, I genuinely forgot that character had a name. I mean, everyone just calls him Mav or Maverick. No yeah. one really calls him Pete, really. Um, <laughs> he's still living as a Maverick, let me tell you. This, this, uh, this, uh, far in the future that we call the present day. Um, <laughs> and what happens is he's called back to Top Gun to get the best pilots in the US Navy prepared for a seemingly impossible mission. Do you see mm-hmm. where this is going? <laughs> yeah. This is what I love about this film so much, is that you've got kind of... It plays all the greatest hits of the original, mm-hmm. to the point where the same songs are playing, the same set piece happening. They're not playing volleyball this time, but there's a very similar scene. <laughs> um, like they, they hit all of those greatest hits for like the first half, two-thirds of the film, and then at some point they just decide, right, let's make this an, a Mission Impossible film, and that's what... That's I loved about great it great so news. much. I, it's so good because from that point onwards, the last I don't know, forty forty five minutes, it is just non stop like exhilaration. I was like so into it, like one of the best, like not to like use any hyperbole, like one of the best action films I've seen in a cinema since like Mad Max. It was like that, good. <laughs> like Mission Impossible level stuff. Like Fallout was excellent. Mm. You're, it's reaching that sort of heights, but like. The flying scenes are just breathtaking, and the fact that like they did this ninety nine percent practically as well. Mm. Like Tom Cruise paid for some of his co stars to have full flying lessons for this film. Like, and it it's it's a mad extent to go to, but it really does pay off. It's just unbelievable to look at. In terms of um, in terms of those flying scenes, mm. are they designed to feel? dangerous or exhilarating because what that like flying Mm. or like getting the sense of flying the last thing i can remember watching that like gave me that feeling was first man which is fucking Mm -hmm. like horror but the first scene of first of first man where he's in that fucking test plane and it's Mm -hmm. juggling about it and it feels like he's going to die and you're (laughs) gonna die as well with him um Mm -hmm. I'm assuming this is more like flying's great as opposed to yeah. I mean, it does have its moments of yeah, of like what well, yeah, you're not quite sure what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely more on the like exciting, like yeah, exhilarating part of the spectrum rather than yeah, like terrifying. But mm-hmm. like, it's just I just I was just so into it, and like 
it manages to balance it all as well like these like exhilarating action scenes these like very like it's got a lot of the original ones like there's some very cheesy dialogue very cheesy like 80s-esque moments in it but then like it's like properly emotional at times as well like once or twice i properly was choking up like because there's obviously these connections to the original film miles teller is playing goose from the original film's son so right. there's that i fucking love <laughs> that they got miles teller in a man who does not look like goose and yeah. did everything they could to make him look identical <laughs> to Goose. It works. I, I, yeah, but, like, no one looks that much like their dad. I don't think that's no. possible. <laughs> like, it's so <laughs> they weird. They give him the exact moustache um, and pair <laughs> yeah. of glasses. It's like, he's and, like, like wears the same, like, Hawaiian shirt. That's like, so good. That's so um, funny. It's, ah, uh, but, yeah, it really, really does work. I just, I really just want to see it again. Like, and... And I, uh, I'm going to say the annoying thing that everyone says. If you get the chance, I saw this in IMAX. See if you can it see on it in the IMAX. biggest screen <laughs> exactly. possible. If you have the chance to, really do, because it's incredible. And I wouldn't say seeing the original Top Gun is a necessity, because they do reference, you'll, they'll properly catch you up on what happened in the first. As we've already stated, there isn't a ton of plot to anyway, but there is definitely one or two, like, key beats you'd, you'd want to know about. Um, but yeah, you should watch the original Top Gun anyway, just because it's very, very fun. But yeah, is, is it, are you guys excited? Is it better than Top Gun? Yes, I would say so. That's yeah. good. It's a much better film. Like Top Gun is probably like a seven out of ten film. It's a, it's an enjoyable film. I don't think it's a masterpiece. It's very good for what it is. But mm. this is like more like an eight or nine, like very, very good action film. And I feel like people are gonna watch the first half hour of this film and be like what am I talking about because it is a bit of a it starts very much like the original Top Gun for like the first half but Mm. then once they start getting into the actual like mission part of it it just turns into a much much more exciting film I think Um, so the thing I want to know about it Cardi is Mm. I'm guessing the direction is good but is there anything because the thing I find interesting about it it is directed by a guy who is primarily from a computer effects background like he Mm. did Tron Legacy he did Oblivion, which is very CGI heavy, and like all of his other stuff, he's like he did like the Gears of War commercial and stuff like exactly. that. So, is he a good like practical director? I think. Well, from this, I would say yes. I mean, I've never actually seen Oblivion. I'll, I'll be honest. So I, I don't didn't know. think it was great. No, I quite enjoy Tron Legacy for what it is. Yeah, and yeah. it's again him doing a sequel of an eighties film. So he's mm. kind of got you know he likes doing that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I think practically, I mean. A lot of the great stuff about the flying scenes are they just put the camera in the clock in the cockpit, so you just kind of uh, in the clock. Uh, they put the uh, camera in the cockpit, so you're basically seeing a lot of the action just from people's faces as they're flying mm-hmm. around, and you can tell that. Imagine some of that isn't actually acting, uh, but <laughs> um, abject fear. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. Yeah, I, it's well directed to me. It's also like partly written by Christopher McQuarrie, who is responsible for a lot of the recent um, Mission mm. Impossible stuff with Tom Cruise. And I imagine Tom Cruise, you know, on any film he's on, he has a large like thumbprint on it. He's like basically shadow directing, I'm imagining, I this film. I can't remember who it was. Someone clever and cool on Twitter um, wrote... Me? Like, no. Uh, wrote oh. um, something like this plus the last two Mission Impossible films effectively make Tom Cruise like an auteur director without directing anything. Like, mm-hmm. he just makes one genre of film, and it's yeah. the Tom Cruise film, and no one else in the world 
can or will make these films. Like, it's kind of fucking incredible. Like, there's a lot of shady shit about Tom Cruise, seemingly. Oh, yeah. But fuck me, makes good move. Like, Jesus Christ, no one can do this. And I I can't remember who... Who was it? Someone... It might have been on the big picture. Someone was talking about, like, this idea that, like, maybe Tom Cruise, like half wants to die in a stunt accident to become immortal (laughs) like is that part like is does he want to be like the greatest action star ever by doing the craziest stunt that involves him dying imagine like an 80 year old tom cruise can you like he's just not gonna stop the thing is i can because he'd look exactly the same (laughs) (laughs) that's true he does some good running in this as well but yeah i agree like obviously he's got some some personal stuff that no one it's really a big massive weird mystery isn't it but mm. um i don't think there's been like i think he's probably the biggest movie star ever like there is no one i he could be in any film and i will watch him like even early on like some bad films like cocktail not a very good film at all quite a bad film but he is just so watchable in mm. all of it like i just yeah i'd watch him do anything yeah it's weird how he's kind of yeah, he only makes these big action films now. Yeah. But they're never less than good. Even like something like Jack Reacher is um it's fun. Like it's it's good action. But yeah, I just got Werner Herzog as a villain. That's just <laughs> exactly. good shit. Wasn't there um wasn't there something did we talk about it on here where like to make the next Mission Impossible, he like paid two hundred and fifty million dollars or something for a fucking No, it's not that much money. But he paid like millions and millions of dollars to get a cruise ship so that he could get people into a COVID bubble that was big enough for the uh that was big enough for a film set. And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. He just he just, he just loves making movies. He um, does. Do you know what? one other film it really reminded me of, and here's a is an old reference to people, the nineteen I think fifty five film the Dam Busters. I don't know if anyone's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Never actually watched it. It's so good, and the music's incredible. But it's very much that sort of thing of like we've got, and obviously that's based on real life, so it's much more impressive. But um, yeah, based on that, you know, building up to this one big, almost like seemingly impossible mission uh, with fighter planes and uh, bombers to try and uh, achieve a target. So remind me a lot of that. And Peter Jackson's meant to be remaking that. He's been trying to remake that, I think, for 10 years. Oh, yeah, that's been, I can remember way before I was even a writer that being a, a whole thing. Yeah. Mm. I hope he does. I hope this really uh, yeah, kicks him into action. But yeah, Top Gun Maverick, I thought, was absolutely fantastic and I do want to watch it again. So please be excited for the 25th also want to note because i mentioned it a while ago now finally i think today everything everywhere all at once is out in the uk mm. in cinemas and again i can't recommend that enough because although top gun maverick is a very very good film everywhere uh, everything everywhere all at once is on another level in terms of film so matt you were lucky enough to see it because you were in america last week i was in america last week and yeah i got i got a double double whammy of multiverse films i got uh the MCU slightly lackluster version of it, which uh, was Doctor Strange, not so much of a fan of. But everything Ooh. everywhere all at once is like astonishing. It's mm-hmm. it's actually it's not my favourite of the Daniels's two films. Like oh, I'm you still Swiss Army man. I'm still a Swiss Army man, uh like devout. You just love farts though. <laughs> I think I was going on about them. I watched that for the first time a couple of weeks ago in preparation mm-hmm. for this and uh mm. yeah, I mean 
it's, that's a fucking good film. I don't understand why so people good. disliked it. I um, I just love uh, Daniel Radcliffe being weird. Like yeah. on the back of that, um, we then watched Guns Akimbo, which I hadn't seen and had a wicked time with it, even though it's sort of mm-hmm. absolute B movie trash. And now he's playing Weird Al. And now he's playing Weird Al. Weird but Al. yes, anyway, everything, everywhere, all at once is like it's magnificent. In it's like this really thrifty multiverse kind of movie, mm-hmm. which I really love about it. Um, but it's, it's so much heart. It's that's the thing that comes. Like you go through this really kind of trippy movie, and then realise that it's actually it's all about discussing like emotion mm-hmm. and heart, and and really getting to the centre of like family issues and stuff like that. I, I, it's it's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it again at some point very soon. Um, it's good we have films because all the games are disappearing from this year. Uh, mm. Starfield, Redfall, Delayed. Mm-hmm. One thing we do have coming though in October, is it September or October? Gotham Knights. Uh, October twenty fifth, is it? October. We have Gotham Knights, and we saw like a good bit of extended gameplay this uh, this week. I feel like a lot of people we're talking about are quite down on it from what mm. they saw. I'm, you know, I'm by no means blown away by what I've seen, but I still think it looks very fun to me. I think I'm on. I th- I, I think. I was trying to work out why I'm excited for this game, and I think it's partly just because I haven't played, like, a good urban open world for ages. Like, mm-hmm. loads of people are doing big countrysides, uh, <laughs> and there's something about, like, big fucking buildings and moody architecture um, that I'm kind of into. And yeah, I think I'm quite excited for it. I quite like the idea of just flying about. I went back and read some of the interview questions we did with them when they first announced it, and, like, they really push on the idea that this is like a full open world like no no gating like beyond like enemy level gating but even that they said isn't designed to like stop you from going places so i mean only because i've played it recently i promise but like you know how you can go anywhere in elden ring kind of but like some places will kick your ass more than others like i think they're going for a bit of that vibe and like i'm kind of I'm kind of cool with it. Like, I like the idea of having a big bike and a glider and shit. Like, that's well, I just fun. like Batman as well. well he's Batman. not in it. <laughs> well, well, I mean, he, he definitely will be. will be. He will be. He'll he's turn up. Dead. He'll be so, running the Court of Owls. Yeah. I do get some of the, uh, wor- not necessarily worries, but obviously they showed uh, gameplay of Nightwing and Red Hood. Mm-hmm. The gameplay does look, the combat look a little stiff, I think, because people are so used to a Batman game being the Arkham combat, which is so smooth and, like, precise. Whereas this did look, you know, it did look a little bit more Avengers-like, but I don't think that's a fair comparison for the game as a whole, because this is... Whereas Avengers just has problems in the way it is built as a game, as to be a, a live service game. They've made, they've gone out of their way so many times to say this is not a live service game. Mm. This is a story game you can play in co-op. It's, and that's where it, that's it's where combat the fun is. built to work online. Like that's what that yeah. is. Like you can't have fully free flowing combat in a co-op like PVE game in that way in terms of melee because the game would not be able to keep up on two sides. So you've got to have it. it it kind of necessarily has to be a bit clunkier. And, like, mm-hmm. your mileage is going to vary on that. I'm personally fine with the idea of it because I want to play this game with someone else, like, all the way through. And I do like this idea that they've kind of pushed down the line of, you know, you could have two players with the same character, but those two characters can be specced in very different ways and do different stuff. And, like, all that stuff, like, appeals to me. Just, like, tooling about and having, like, a Batgirl who fucking rockets about and a, like a Robin that's really beefy for some reason. Like, I think it would be quite cool. Yeah. I'm into, I'm into it. it. I, I was... 
before they showed any real gameplay, I was kind of thought, I'm going to play as Red Hood in this game, because I think Red Hood is a cool character. But he was the character I, I watched, and I was like, oh, that combat doesn't look great. It mm. looks quite heavy, quite clunky. Just the fact, like, non-lethal bullets. It, it just, I don't know, it didn't look like it would feel great to me, whereas Nightwing did look a lot more acrobatic. Mm. Um, I don't know, I, I'm still very much into it. And like, like I said, like, as long as it's a good Batman kind of story game, I'm going to have a good time with it, I think. It's pick the right kind of, like, having the Court of Owls as the core. It's something that, like, has not been explored outside of the, the comics. You know, it's it, it's right for pulling on that. I'm going to say this one didn't do a huge amount for me. I it's The previous big gameplay one they did that has got all the stuff in that I'm interested in. Like, I love that idea that the whole, you know, when they were showing the Mr. Freeze battle and there was that idea of kind of, like, there might be a slightly nemesis-y side of uh, this game, regardless of whether it's got a full nemesis-style system or not, but the idea that, you know, coming back against Mr. Freeze's kind of, like, minions and him himself might change over time and stuff like that. That's the sort of stuff that I'm interested in. This looks a little bit too kind of, like, slightly MOBA-influenced on the combat for my personal preference, but as you say, Joe, like, I'm looking to play this through with someone Mm. and... Being able to have that Bat Family arrangement, which is something that no film or game has ever given me, is what I want out of this. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it still, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe it's just us being a little bubble and people being a bit snarky. But then again, if you follow a lot of games people on Twitter, you will just see a lot of snark. So, you know, that's what you're going to get from people, so... I just subtweet in the entire industry there exactly yeah you know uh, 90% of it you know there's some good ones out there um, but there we go why don't we talk about a game you can play now I believe is mm-hmm. that correct Matt there's yes. some more Warhammer on the go tell us about the new Warhammer game there is new Warhammer game Chaos Gate Demon Hunters is a I, I was about to say spiritual sequel but technically I guess it is a sequel to Chaos Gate a strategy game that came out when I was very young Mm-hmm. Um, but this is basically, it's an XCOM game, but with a Warhammer skin, um, which kind of puts it down, but it's not, it's, it's genuinely very, very good, which is why I'm here to talk about this. Um, so, so this is very much kind of like in the, in the Firaxis XCOM vein, you have a small collection of troops in turn-based kind of tactics environments. And then there is a strategy layer where you have a home base that you get to make improvements to that ultimately changes the way that you can play. Um, the difference between XCOM and this is that your troops are Grey Knight Space Marines, which are basically psychic warrior monks yeah, that are like nine feet tall, encased in ceramite power armor, huge Ooh, force nemesis weapons. Yeah, this is this is very much me. Um, I was at Warhammer World on the day that they launched the original Grey Knight uh, sort of miniatures, which would have been when I was like, maybe thirteen. Um, mm-hmm. so I can remember buying Grey Knight models, like, the day they came out. Um, so I've got, like, quite a love for this side of the Warhammer lore, and they are really fun because, kind of, like, they've got essentially giant double-barreled machine guns mounted to their arms that fire sort of psychically imbued bullets that explode on impact. So they are, whereas, kind of, XCOM, you start off with very, kind of, weedy troops that gradually, mm-hmm. kind of, build over time to use kind of all sorts of alien weapons that you get that really cool power curve uh, you start really fucking powerful in 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 chaos gate because you've got these incredible sort of soldiers but you only take in like four i think it upgrades to five later on but you take in four of them against 
what is basically hordes of enemies because your enemy in this game are is uh, is the chaos faction of Nurgle. So basically, god of plague and disease, creating a giant plague that's running across the galaxy, which you are here to stop in the way that, like, in XCOM, you're there to stop an alien invasion. This is you preventing a plague spreading through a solar system. And at the start of the game, there are lots of just kind of little zombie sort of things that you're fighting, which are great because you can smash them up in a, you know, a single turn. You're smashing them, but gradually that plague begins to bloom and spread and you get the traitor legions, which are basically you, but evil. So suddenly that's how like the tactics change up. You're going up against other essentially walking tanks mm-hmm. that, that you need to kind of work with. And it's that's all very, very XCOM. But what it's got is this kind of system. There are little layers of systems that are on top, which is... A, there's the, the plague is spreading through every turn that you do, so gradually, kind of like, all the enemies that you've killed can come back to life because the plague kind of reinfects their corpses and they get reanimated. So the way that you take your turns becomes more and more kind of like increasingly pressured because you're like, oh, I need to ideally complete objectives very, very quickly in order to prevent this plague spreading throughout kind of like the zone that I'm in. And that's kind of cool because... I'd normally play kind of like XCOM reasonably kind of like restrained in that kind of like you use your half turns to move your troops up and scout out and try and figure out what's going on. Using like half a turn in in Chaos Gate Demon Hunters is you're wasting a lot of time by being cautious. You really need to kind of storm in there and, Mm -hmm. and defeat kind of like your enemies. And then on top of that, you've also got your all of your warriors are kind of psychic, so they can have standard attacks or they can start using kind of like, I can use psychic abilities to make my damage do twice as much as it normally would do. But each time you do that, you, to get very nerdy and very in the lore, the, your psychic powers come from the warp, which is where chaos originally comes from, who are the people that you're fighting. So each time you use it, it ticks up a warp meter. And okay. basically, so, and the warp meter is ticking up anyway, but each time you do a psychic attack, it increases that exponentially. Mm-hmm. And so the more psychic attacks you use, the more potential you've got for this warp interference to happen, which causes like randomized events to happen in the session. So, for example, like one of your characters might get covered in goo. That means that it can only walk half as much as they could before and sort of different debuffs like that. Or it might summon in other stuff. So it's a very kind of pressured sort of turn-based tactics environment which i really like it means that it is a lot more challenging than i ever thought it would be because like xcom is about the level for me for mm-hmm. like standard level xcom yeah and that's can... not easy either which no fun. no yeah but like i've played enough of xcom now to be able to get through those this is harder than xcom because you have got like if one thing goes wrong like a match will well a, a session will very quickly spiral and you'll find like oh, they're opening warp gates all over the place and now there's another 15 zombies on the map. And they're very easy to take down, but mm-hmm. you can get very easily get mobbed. Luckily, your characters can die like three times. So if okay. they die in a match, because they are super soldiers, you can bring them back into the next mission. Um, okay, so it's not and, as harsh as XCOM. Yeah, yeah, you don't have instant death, which can be a problem. And also you've got kind of like, you have apothecary units, which are the ones that can go out, they can heal, and they've got kind of like these skulls that they can send across the map and they can heal other characters. So there's a lot of counter kind of units that you've got and counter abilities to go against the pressure. But along the sides of having all of that, um, 
you know, it's got the classic, like, you know, the Overwatch abilities that you get in XCOM, which allow you to lock down kind of an area and, and have a, a gun sighted. So anybody mm-hmm. that walks across. Demon Hunters is a lot more kind of urban inside in its map design. So there's a lot more choke points than I think I've ever found that there are in XCOM. So, for example, like there are a lot more big bulkhead doorways, which you do get very, very cool like moments mm-hmm. where you can run at that door and you can kick it down. But if there are then like four enemies on the other side that then set up Overwatch, it's like, well, how do I funnel my way in here? Benefit of that is a lot more destructible terrain. Um, it's kind of it's not full destructible maps, but more than there was in um, in XCOM. And the really nice thing about it is is that you can do stuff like a lot of because it's a very gothic sort of setting that you know kind of like big gothic kind of um, statues and sort of like you know. Mm-hmm heirlooms to to the the empire and stuff like that you can just go and kick them over and just knock them onto groups of enemies so you get like really cool okay i can use the environment sort of tactically yeah um so it's got all that kind of stuff and then there's a lot going on in this yeah it's stressful as fuck yeah it's like it's really it's really fun because obviously everything about it is incredibly ott as the warhammer universe Mm -hmm. is it's like massive kind of men in huge armor shooting bullets the size of milk bottles um and like it's got it's got the sense of humor that warhammer's got like the chaos minions are like absolutely batshit bonkers and then when you get like a good grenade kill like it absolutely catapults like seven pieces of them across the map and stuff like that yeah another game where we're trying to kill chaos this year yeah gotta kill chaos i mean we i mean warhammer really was the first thing where (laughs) chaos was being killed a lot they started it they uh they kicked off the chaos Mm -hmm. killing um so like obviously this is a warhammer game but if you're not into warhammer such as myself it's still fundamentally a very good game yeah yeah there's 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 very little need to kind of know anything going in like it um very much treats you because in the base layers very much like XCOM, you've got different characters that talk to you your grandmaster is played by andy circus yes please well, i'm into it now um and the, uh, the natural follow-up to jason isaac's appearing you've got to have a, a venerable <laughs> british actor Absolutely. in your warhammer game that's the deal mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, sorry if you can hear what sounds like a big fly. There's a big fly in my room. <laughs> well, I can't fuck hear it. off. I'm going to listen for it now, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of like all of those characters will, I've noticed, kind of talk to you as if you're not necessarily like in understanding of what the Warhammer universe is. They'll explain to you kind of like what the Grey Knights are. Um, the the kind of start just, of the game is... I just love the idea of exposition between Grey Knights. Like, yeah. I've just got to put on my Terminator armour, which is made <laughs> up of... Oh no, my poison gland has started overreacting. <laughs> yeah, Space Marines have poison glands, Cardi. Get used it's to it. Bit okay. acid. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, yeah, like this, the, the way that the game kind of kicks off is you've been doing kind of this mission against a, a completely other chaos faction. You're fighting against Corn at the start, and you get pulled over by the Inquisition basically on your ship, and the an Inquisitor comes on board and is like, "You belong to me now, and I'm telling you what our new missions are and what our new crusade is." And you know, for someone like me that knows kind of the Warhammer, I understand how the Inquisition relates to the Grey Knights. Mm. The Grey Knights are the the chamber militant of the Malleus section of the... It's good stuff, baby. (laughs) I'm into it. But if you don't know that, that all of those kind of connections are explained by the characters in the game, who are 
like it's definitely like B tier budget, but B tier budget for a Warhammer game is like very very high. It's <laughs> we just don't get AAA development. Yeah. It's a treat for you, is what it's saying. Yeah, very, like, I can tell you're very excited. I'm I'm happy for you that you know this is this is making making your your day. Uh, it's basically the best XCOM game since Gears Tactics. Oh well, there we go. That's all you needed to say. There we go. <laughs> um, but there we. Go. I do like a good XCOM game every now and then. And you know what? I still haven't properly gone into Gears Tactics, so I might do that one first. Is, and then, mm-hmm. is Warhammer 40k only on PC at the moment? It is, yes. But I did notice that it has controller support, and that mm. suggests to me it's like, oh, okay. There's ambitions to. It. I'd imagine it's one of those like, if it sells well enough on PC, then we'd consider like doing the port job. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, like obviously XCOM can be very easily played on a controller. So I would yeah. say the exact same for this. There we go. Very exciting. Uh, if you're into some, need some new XCOM in your life, check out, what is it again? Warhammer 40k, Chaos, Chaos Gate, Gate, Demon, Demon Hunters. Hunters. <laughs> I got it right. I was making up one. I actually accidentally got it right. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. I know our review made the joke of it's, it's yet another in the series of Warhammer games that demand three titles because they all seem to need three titles. <laughs> I'm go. not a fan of the amount of fucking words, but um, the game is good. Well, there we go. And that's that's all that really matters. Uh, I've been also playing a new game, and it's time yet again for this week's Action Roguelike, because <laughs> every week there's a new one. Except this one did come out about two weeks ago, so, you know, I'm kind of cheating a little bit. But I've been playing a bit of Rogue Legacy 2. I've only played a little bit so far, but I can already feel those those hooks getting in me. Like I loved the original Rogue Legacy. That was so really good. the first roguelike I remember playing. It felt like the one that really broke through a bit um mm. and yeah i i love that one so much and with this one you're just kind of getting more of that and that's what i want it's like everything from that first one but even more added and like if you don't know like kind of how road legacy works you go through each uh randomly generated level and you get as far as you can each time collecting as much gold as you can and you will inevitably die and sometimes early on in the game it's best to just try and move around as fast as you can, collect as much gold as you can, die and then upgrade at the end of each run. But the twist on it is that it kind of has the humour of a lot, uh, well a good sense of humour, which some games struggle to get right. But So every time you die, you get reborn as the next descendant in this family and you pick one of three builds every time and they have different perks, different classes, different weapons you unlock. But that's some, like where some of the humour comes into it that some of those traits are just ridiculous like i've got a couple of them here like one trait is just the pacifist trait which kind of overrules every other ability that character has whereas they cannot attack any characters in the map they they are not allowed to attack but the bonus of that is the amount of gold you get from objects is vastly increased on Mm. that run so basically you want to if you pick that character you're basically just rolling into pots and like cupboards it's just like a death run run yeah dodging like yeah hooning around dodging as much as you can you can't kill anything until you die basically trying to collect as much gold there's the ibs trait which (laughs) means that uh, sometimes you fart when you jump or jump or dash and if you time that right near enemies you can uh, give them a burn effect um there's also a good one called the Diva Air. And the Divas, what happens is they get a 50% gold increase, but the entire screen will be black except for a number of spotlights that high- that highlight you, all the enemies, and projectiles. And it will remain that way until that room is cleared. So it's kind of high-risk reward. Um, and then once you do clear a, wo- 
a room you're showered with like flowers and applause because you're a diva <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like they just have the fun way of like blending fun little gameplay quirks with actual humor like there's just there's just so much charm to these games and crucially it's just so much fun like if you loved the original rogue legacy you're gonna love this one i think just because it is it's more of what made that original one great did you guys play a lot of the first one I've never I, played a second of it. I played oh, it when so it first good. came out. It was great. I found it incredibly difficult. Um, really? I was so really I bad at it. I never... Maybe it's just my memory letting me down, but I never found it quite as hard as like a Dead Cells or like a Hades or anything. I found it a little bit more forgiving than that. But I think also part of this one is because you get upgrades and rewards so quickly. Like dying after two minutes never feels mm. like... There is always, there is definitely that one more run element to it. Like, it never feels like a letdown if you die after 30 seconds mm-hmm. in this one. Um, like, don't go into it expecting, like, a Hades, like, level story or anything. That's not what these games are about. It's about the fun of it and the humour of it. But, yeah, I think, I think you'd enjoy it quite a bit, Matt, if you gave it a go. Um, it's on PC and Xbox. It's been in early access for a while, but the, it was the 1.0 release was last week or the week before. But, uh, I believe, uh, we gave it a 9 out of 10, which, from the very little I've played so far, I could, I could, I could see, I could see why. But yeah, very addictive. Give Rogue Legacy a go. I think it's on sale still. I think it's only like fifteen pounds or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely check out Rogue Legacy too. You two have been playing a game which I think a lot of people will never have heard of, but I have been keeping my eye on and are definitely going to jump in this weekend. Tell us about Citizen Sleeper. Okay. Uh, it's um, by a guy called Gareth, who the rest of his name I don't remember. Um, and he previously did this game called In Other Waters, which was fucking beautiful. Uh, but ultimately, I found a little bit dull, um, which was a game basically... The, the two things these two games have in common, and I think that uh, that this developer really enjoys, is A, like a gorgeous approach to like ui so the game is as much about how you're navigating the screen as like the world you're in to some extent Mm. like in other waters you played an ai in someone's like futuristic wetsuit as they tried to collect stuff from an from an alien ocean and so everything was presented from the ai's point of view and it was like this amazing like cyan and yellow color scheme and stuff and in this one Citizen Sleeper is a game in which you are essentially a, um, like a, effectively, um, like a replicant from Blade Runner, although not, um, in any way, uh, human looking. You are, you are very clearly a robot, but you have had a human consciousness implanted into you as part of this, like, weird corporate gig that your human has gone. It's quite severance in a way, actually, because Mm -hmm. it's, it is about these, Consciousness is put in robots and forced to work for a, a horrific future or corporation, um, effectively against their will. And they know that their memories are emulated, so they know that the original person is out there somewhere. And they are the, you are the sleeper of the name. Um, your character escapes from uh, this horrific corporate gig and ends up crash landing or landing somehow uh, on a effectively a station outside of like like the control of law or corporations seems to be more the point if this is very Mm -hmm. much like corporations are governments and vice versa um and so 
initially all it is is a text adventure about this this robot person waking up and going what the hell do i do now that i'm free uh yeah. while also knowing that they are built with a planned obsolescence so the game has kind of three different systems that all come together one it is a fairly straightforward visual novel or text adventure type thing you you talk to people the the bulk of the game is delivered in text on screen two it's a survival game every day within the game you are um your condition is ticking down and you have two different bars one for your like body falling apart one for your hunger um and when your hunger is down your body falls apart quicker and one for um your daily action points and it's that that i think sets it apart because it effectively plays like personas daytime moments yes, so you have a set of actions per day depending on how high your condition is and those actions are also determined by a number of dice rolls that are made each day that mean you can do well or badly at your actions for that day so you have to choose which dice to put into which decisions each day um if this all sounds complicated, it really isn't. Like, beca again, because the UI is so beautifully presented, like, everything looks perfect. You're given the information you need at all times. It just, like, it really, like, sings mm. as an interactive experience in that way. Um, I, I really want to get around to playing it. Because I, I spoke to you, like, I've been reading about it, and the words that pop out to me were, you've already said one, which is Blade Runner, and then I also saw someone comparing it a bit to Disco Elysium. I, I, I want to jump in that. Yeah. I don't think it's anything fucking it, like well, Disco Elysium. It's, I, think <laughs> in its, I think in its politics it is, in the message it's trying to get across, it has Disco Elysium, but in the gameplay it definitely isn't. Yeah, yeah. because okay. I originally saw it as, like, it's Disco Elysium for Cyberpunk, and that was the first thing that put me onto it, and now I've played it. It's it's not about like at least certainly the I think of how long is it Joe because you finished uh, it? I did it in about four or five hours. Okay, so I'd say I'm probably about like a quarter to a third of the way through it, and it, so far it doesn't feel like it's not about building your person, is it? No. In the same way that Disco okay. is. So I did see it described a bit as like a yeah build like a character based RPG in a way. No, so no. it has the trappings of one. You choose a character class at the start, and they get like bonuses in certain areas and minuses in certain other areas okay. i think the thing to go in with here is treat this like an interestingly presented visual novel before anything else it is not a game about branching narratives it's not a game about um it's not a game about stats and min maxing or anything like that by the end of the game you will have almost full stats across everything if you do everything you want to um and you will also meet and do something with almost every character with almost nothing being locked off. It's really not designed to like uh, be a sort of roguelike or replayable thing. Like It has a story it wants to tell. And there are like nine different endings. But you can also, without giving too much away, you can get like three of those endings in one playthrough by doing certain things. Um, which is what I did. And... This I, and this is kind of what I want to get across. Like, this is first and foremost like a really interesting and very often like beautiful story, because all that first bit where I'm describing like consciousness implanted, horrific corporations, all this stuff, all of this is a dystopian backdrop. But the thing I really loved about this game is that it's a story about people doing the best they can in a dystopia. Like, almost everyone you meet effectively is a good person and wants to help and the game is about doing well by helping people 
and I know that some people will immediately be like, woke bullshit, but it's actually just like, it's a really positive science fiction story about living in a bad place. And it's, it was super refreshing to play one of these games, come in and be like, oh, I'm going to be miserable with this story for so long. And actually it does everything it's can, it can to like place like hope in misery and like light amongst dark. And uh, there are genuinely like, gorgeous bits of writing in here there's a section where you meet a cat and it just describes the life of this cat on a space station in the most lovely way for no reason like the cat is not narratively significant and i was just sitting there being like i feel like crying about this cat's lovely life like it was so nice and so much of it is about just like working to help people and people helping you in return and it, it doesn't beat you over the head with its politics it's not like it is not a political game in like the traditional sense hmm. but it has a viewpoint and it has a worldview that it's trying to get across to you and every ending feels to me or at least the endings i got feel to me like versions of that same message presented in different ways and what i effectively was choosing in the end is like where do i feel like i would do the most help by ending this game in this place rather than where do i want the story to go where do you know like you kind of grow attached to these characters um i think it's i think it's really special and really interesting mm-hmm. i think one of the things in terms of the writing that i think like sort of all, almost beautifully kicks it off is at the start you're asked what are you doing and like mm. one of the options is i just want to build a life and that's what i chose and that idea of kind of like it's not just survival against all costs but it's trying to make something of the time that you've been given especially for a character that has been told from the start that they're on a ticking clock yeah Mm. um and that i think is really nice the other thing is that from my perspective is that um very very clear the sort of tabletop rpgs that this guy loves to play because um the the one that i play that uses a lot of these systems is a game called blades in the dark but it, it uses a lot of simplistic tabletop stuff that is very much kind of like the antithesis to D&D whereas D&D is a very heavy kind of stats focused thing there are a lot of RPG games that were just like nah screw all the stats what we're going to do is just have a dice and you roll it if you get high numbers on the dice you've done really well if you get middle numbers you've done okay and if you get bottom numbers you've done shit and something bad's going to happen to you Mm. and the way that it uses that and it also uses um, the clock systems which I've used in several tabletop rpgs as well which is where kind of like you have like these day-to-day you've got these little interactions so it's like you've been to the doctor today and she says to you i can actually get you some syringes that are going to help you um sort of like deal with the fact that your body is designed to reject all its organs Mm. and kill Mm -hmm. you off to make sure that you're you're obsolete and you're like she's like i can't help you now but I will help you. And then you kind of have to go off and do things as her clock fills mm. over time. So it creates all of these things that you actually have relationships that are developing over. It's not just within the specific instance that you're talking to someone. There are physical kind of things on screen that are saying over time, you know, if you come back to this guy that's selling you mushrooms and you come back to him four times over four different days, he's going to eventually kind of open up to you and there's going to be new kind of things that you can find. He's and then also that applies... my favourite character. I fucking yeah, he's love Emphis. He's yeah. so nice. Um, and then kind of like just seeing like, oh, there's this kind of like trading dock over here. But I can physically see a meter building up over time. And I know that if I come here once this is full, I can look at what's at the trading dock and maybe find something that helps me out. And all of these 
it's a very as you say it's a very ui physical game because there's no physical characters in a world on screen it's very it's a map right essentially yeah. is what you're exploring with when you go and speak to these characters you literally just get a visual representation like a nice bit of artwork They're, it's really, really nice artwork as well like really yeah, again nice reminds me a lot of like the art that you would see if this was a tabletop rpg that would be the art that would be on their character page mm. in the book mm-hmm. um like does so much with so little in in yeah. such an admirable way the only um, thing i would say about the clock system is that at the tail end of the game that's the only time where the ui stuff starts coming apart because you start getting on clocks for things where it's kind of the only thing you have left to do Mm -hmm. and so you're ending up like doing effectively just there was a couple of points where i had to effectively like start and end a day six times to just do the next thing in in -hmm. there and the only other part so i'm playing on switch i will say switch has some really bad performance issues like for a, for quite a simple game like mm-hmm. i plugged it into a dock and it absolutely freaked out and i had to restart the game like it doesn't really deal so i would play this on pc if you can um but by the end particularly on switch like uh, so the map it's it's essentially a kind of half a halo ring to some extent like you and you open the map up by going along that ring and by the end you're having to do stuff at two ends of the ring that requires you to like go all the way down do an interaction, move to the next bit of the ring, go all the way down again, start that thing, then move all the way back. And it gets a little bit, like, tedious, mm-hmm. a kind of busy work at the at the very mm-hmm. end, um, which is kind of... which kind of ended up being my only irritation with it, to some extent. I will also say, like, I know we've done a lot about, like, the message and the niceness and all that stuff. It's also just a really cool sci-fi universe he's built. Like, it's really interesting. Like, there's a lot of stuff you recognise, but the interactions and, like, the implied history of this ring that you're on becomes more and more interesting. There's a whole thing, a whole system we haven't discussed, which is like you can switch from the physical reality of the ring to a mode where you're seeing like the computer systems underneath it and your character Mm -hmm. can interact with like AIs underneath or like hack into people's stuff to get certain like upgrades and things like that. It's, it's got a really neat like um sci-fi worldview at the same time as trying to tell quite a human story at the same time it's 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 very very cool i'm into it i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna check it out Uh, it's on game pass as well which is yes uh, i forgot about that yeah and only four to five hours citizen sleeper that's what it's called if you if you missed that banger check it out you might enjoy it especially if you have game pass why not check it out um we're gonna put our little call out now because i think it'll be us three uh if we do it We've all finished Elden Ring now, which I think if you told, especially me and Joe, that a few months ago, we would have laughed at you. Yeah. Um, but uh, and you've pretty much done everything in it as well. You've 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 scraped I it all, rinsed that bad boy. Exactly. So we're gonna, we're thinking of doing a little like one-off, little special uh, spoiler cast of Elden Ring. Um, but mainly, we want to know: a) is there an appetite for that? So let us know. And b) do you have any questions you'd like to ask us? We'll, mm. we'll go through quite a few questions on it and probably centre the episode around that. So IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com if you want to know, I don't know, how we played the game or if you have any questions about, uh, you know, yeah, anything about the game really. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what do Any lore questions? Pretty much a lore expert oh, yeah, these we, days. <laughs> we know everything now. I know all um, sorts of shit about Radagon and the Outer Gods. It's pretty oh, good yeah. stuff. Let, let me tell you about um, the ring. Um, yeah. <laughs> All, all of that. Uh, so yeah, if you want any questions about Elden Ring, because that's you know, and if you're it, not bothered, it's the biggest game of the year now. Don't yeah. don't worry about it. 
We're exactly. not, I don't think we'll do as... it. I don't think we'll do it as like a full numbered episode. We'll do it as an extra special, so you don't exactly, have to yeah. listen to it. Promise. Next Friday there will be an episode that probably doesn't involve any Elder Ring. Yeah. So yeah, we're yeah, not saying when we're going to do this either. All right, don't tie us in. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's coming. You know, it'll come when it's ready. Yeah. Um, like all great things in this world, like the endless search. Inside, it's a UK IGN crew. Yeah, 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 and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Is it endless search? Right, this week's endless search comes courtesy of Scott Seal, who sent in. I'm gonna say borderline angry email, Scott, what? about uh, the endless search last week. I'm only joking. Um. Basically, I don't know if either of you listened to last week's episode of the podcast. We're playing last week's game. But basically, Scott wrote in to say, and the subject line here of his email was, Stolen Endless Search. Uh Uh-oh. Says, hey team, sorry for the dramatic subject line. (laughs) I was listening this week and couldn't help but notice the Endless Search game you played was the exact same submission I sent in quite a while ago called PG tits instead of pg tips um it's actually he's uh corrected that uh to say it was uh, called something else but i'm not going to say that because it's a bit ruder and i don't, I don't want to uh, i don't want to say that word frankly um but anyway well scott goes on to say i realized there was no way of the sender knowing my game i was just disappointed you hadn't played my version perhaps the other guys was delivered a little better no worries, Scott, we're going to play it now, though. And I tell you, it probably wasn't because it was written better. It's probably because we literally saw that one first, and sometimes we get lost in the email inbox. But we're playing it now, Scott, so do not fear. So, if you don't know what this game was, which it sounds like neither of you uh, will, basically, what we do here is we take one-star reviews on IMDb Films, but these are all good films, so these are user one-star reviews of generally good films. And basically, we're going to go through clues of each of those. You get, I think, you get ten points here if you get it on the first clue, then eight, six, four, and two as the clues get a bit easier. Mm-hmm. And basically, these are mad reviews of films with people with, frankly, borderline, I don't know, just ridiculous opinions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there. But there you go. So. Bear that in mind. Bad reviews for generally good films. Let's get going. Film number one. So this is the first section of this of uh, the ones. Well, I think these are actually different from different one star reviews, not necessarily from the same review. So bear that in mind. Clue number one. I kept waiting for there to be one redeeming quality about this movie. One character that was remotely interesting. Never happened. The music was truly bizarre. Misplaced. Maybe if you want to examine the mind of a complete psychopath without the benefit of a writer who even understands how to present that, give it a shot. Is this There Will Be Blood? <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow, ten points for Matt. With a, It was the music one. that gave it yeah, away. Yeah, that's a good shout. Ah, well, there you go. Ten points straight off the bat there. Um, I'll, I'll read the other clues just because they're funny. Uh I swear I try to like this movie, but it's just depressing, boring, sometimes even demented movie. <laughs> Some great actors. I, I'm here, sorry, but... something can't be boring and demented. That <laughs> does not make sense. Look, these are all bad reviews. 
some great actors here, but the silent first 15-20 minutes to the total lack of pace, disconnected soundtrack, and lack of glue to join all the pieces together in an attractive manner, this movie was a total mess. A lecture about greediness, selfishness, and religion told in a very heavy, dark, slow-paced, and boring way. All of that was kind of correct until they said boring. (laughs) (laughs) And not a mess. But, um, oh yeah, there we go. I meant the bit about a lecture onwards. I, I, some of these are quite long. I'm not going to read them all because you got it early. But you know, they're all they're all wrong. Is what <laughs> we're saying about that film. Um, I think someone once actually wrote in to claim that I was lying that uh, there will be blood was my favourite film. Um, I'm not lying. It, it's it's generally considered a masterpiece. Uh, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> lying. <laughs> yeah, I'm just pretending I like that film. For I love the benefit. idea of someone being like. <laughs> What's your favourite film? Ah, oh, it's um, it's Citizen Kane. You liar! <laughs> you liar! <laughs> what a weird response to an opinion. <laughs> Unless you've never seen the film, then then yeah, you're a liar. Right, funny. okay. Here's film number two. And the first clue. Music over the top. Acting non-existent. Length felt like six hours. And not in a good way. <laughs> As people left the theatre, I saw shaking heads. Mm. Don't understand people raving about it. They must be connected to the film somehow. Save your money. Watch the original. And don't let this ruin it. Interesting. Interesting. Is it Blade Runner 2049? It is. Fucking hell. (laughs) That's 20 nil. (laughs) I was going to say Suspiria. (laughs) Oh, that knows... knows, uh... I, have you written these? No, I genuinely swear I have not. Like I, having been in America for a week, I've not opened the inbox for. No, I'm saying, did you write these reviews? I, I did not. No. Uh, let me see. Is there when? Is there any one? Any other funny ones here? Movie is too long. Story is way too simple. Uh, a bit of everything while not successful in any part of it. Using CGI in sex part. How is that relevant to the story? <laughs> Sony logo is everywhere. There's one bit right. Anna de Armas in the whole movie, normal size. One bit, she's massive. What's going on? <laughs> this, I've got to read this review because this is funny. Just the way it starts. I personally have over 500 DVDs in my collection, <laughs> of which over 50 are from the sci-fi genre. What? I don't know what the Kool-Aid re- uh, reviewers have been drinking, but this was one of the most tedious, pretentious, boring, meaningless, poorly acted, loudest, dumbest, mo- dumbest movies I've ever experienced. <laughs> You're sincerely a broken fucking replicant. <laughs> right. Let's go on to the next one. Cells film interlinked. Film, film, film number three. God, this is a long one. This movie is one of the worst I've ever seen. It was really hard to sit through and pay attention to the whole time. Any guesses yet, Matt? You probably got it. (laughs) (laughs) It was so boring, and the fact that they're British doesn't help. Oh, (laughs) hello. The lighting for the movie is also really bad. It was also unnecessarily gross and bloody in one part. Guess. Can I guess? I did. (laughs) I'm going to say The Witch. It's not. Oh. Uh, I'm not locking you out that you can you can guess okay. many times you offer. I did laugh in a couple of parts, but I think it was pure luck on the writer's part. <laughs> I mean... What does that mean? <laughs> Having the characters so absent-minded was not funny, and I usually like stupid characters. I'm a huge fan of Jim Carrey, but this movie didn't pull through for me. 
I recommend this video not be viewed. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Uh, is it hot? It is. Fucking <laughs> hell! <laughs> Bloody one nil, like gory. <laughs> Thirty nil. Uh-huh. I, I swear to fucking god, I've not read any I, of these. I believe you. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good going. You just see through the matrix of fucking <laughs> boring dickheads on the internet. It's because I've been playing Citizen Sleeper and I've been hacking into mm, the matrix. That's it. That. That's it. I'm trying to see, is there any other funnier comments here? The cast reads like the cast reads like a who's who of British acting talent. Sadly, you see very little of most of them. Bill Nye must have had no more than six lines, and Martin Freeman and Steve Coogan even less. A truly bad cinematic experience. <laughs> that's that's it. <laughs> uh, there you go, thirty nil. So uh, Matt, you have one, but we've still got two more films here. Um, uh, the first clue here might might give it away, but who knows? Okay, this is just the first one. This is all it says. It suck. This is all in caps, by the way. <laughs> It sucked when he killed that bird on top. The roof was very disturbing to see. Do we say these are all reckoned to be good films? Generally, yeah, I'd say these are all these are okay. all good films. When he killed a bird on the roof, I'm guessing he means killed a woman on a roof. Unless <laughs> it is literally just I'm, him slamming a pigeon. I'm thinking it's not it's a much bird. grammar here. It sucked when he killed that bird on top of roof. It was very disturbing to see. Is it the lighthouse? It is the lighthouse. Hey. There we go. It is an actual. It's not seagull. really on a roof. It doesn't. No, it's not on it's a on roof. It's on a well. Yeah, that's the opposite but... of a roof. <laughs> Let me see if there's already other fun. Yeah, <laughs> this is a, this is a fun review. Um, this would have given it away. This is the second to last one. <laughs> As an avid lighthouse lover, <laughs> I had to see this one. Jesus. <laughs> But I'm sorry I did. It's the most terrible movie I've ever watched. Nothing horror in this movie except the movie itself. Very difficult movie. Very black. Very dark. Very depressing. (laughs) It's an avid lighthouse lover. Monkey pump! (laughs) You've all got these on the first... We've not got to a second clue yet. Look. It's very impressive. Just a couple of real film buffs here. (laughs) Doing some film buffery. Exactly. I do like this game. It's fun, though, just to read other people's madness. Yeah. Right. Here's the last one. I mean, a lot of people would agree with The Lighthouse not being good. Yeah. I yeah, disagree. That's that split. But that's I, just I like me. It. I'm just a kooky guy. I, I like it. Don't love it. I wouldn't give it one star, though. <laughs> uh, right. Here's the last one star film reviews. I was well prepared to like this movie on the basis of the art alone, and the art did not disappoint. However... Still giving it one star. However, I found much of the humour to be based on cruelty, and I was truly horrified by the overall message of the film. And here's here's what they think the message of the film is. Lower your expectations for yourself and everything will work out fine. (coughs) This is just so wrong. Inspire your children to be good and strong and true, and which predates this shallow and uninspiring vehicle. You know, some... Not badly written, but... You know, some madness still, nonetheless. <laughs> lower your ex- what? What was the message? Lower your expectations. The message of the film they think is yeah, lower your expectations for yourself, and everything will work out fine. <laughs> Toy Story two. I think it's just Toy Story. Uh, I'm going to give it to you. Okay. 
because I'm not going to lie, Scott didn't actually put the name of the film for this one. Uh, didn't give me the answer, but from the last clue, I worked out that it's probably just Toy Story. Interesting. <laughs> but there no, you go. Thirty twenty. Not too unhappy with that. No, that's 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 high scoring from both of you there. But um, yeah, there five ten out of ten answers. <laughs> Feels like this quiz needs some needs some tweaking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was much more compared last week. Maybe yeah. Uh, that's why we didn't read out Scott because it was too easy. <laughs> no, don't throw this back at Scott. <laughs> Scott was nice. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Uh, but I do like that game. I, mean, I think we will play it again sometime. Maybe, you know, a fun one to do with games as well because people have always have mad opinions about everything because that's the world we live in. That's isn't opinions, it? A fun baby. One. Exactly. And no one's wrong except all the people that wrote those reviews. Except everyone who disagrees with you on There Will Be Blood. Exactly categorically incorrect let's get on to your feedback which you can always send to ign underscore uk feedback at ign.com matt yes got one from oliver ford who says hello cardi and co which is oh, apparently hello. what we are these days uh, should we rename the podcast <laughs> nope god <laughs> uh i've been listening to the podcast for maybe a year now and before i ask before i ask my question i have to confess i don't know what the endless search is. <laughs> what does good, it mean? What are you searching for? I don't even know why we respect the sea, but at least I can understand. <laughs> what are you hiding? So I think okay. we should address this before we get to the actual question. Years ago, there was a man on this podcast called Gav, and he had one game that we would play every week, which was called Keyword Countdown. It's a really good game. Uh, and when he left, we set up the endless search for a game that would be worth replacing keyword countdown with um we've actually found probably about four games that we just go back to every time <laughs> yeah. um but yeah that's why it's called the endless search it is the endless search for a game to replace keyword countdown mm-hmm. yeah there you go. there's there been go. some discussion about whether we cut the games between people on the podcast. I feel like we're not it's not necessarily uh we're not necessarily going to do it every week now. I feel like you know when we have a bumper week stuff to talk about maybe we won't do it. Um I but, just you know, like playing it's... games. Exactly. And you know And it's got an amazing theme tune exactly. by Code Marla. Was it Code Marla? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um as a in regards to why do we respect the sea it's because uh, you don't want to drown. Yeah. Go back and listen to the drowning special. Yeah real thing that we did for jobs <laughs> uh a reminder if uh, i feel like we maybe have reached the the bottom of this barrel but any more grave digging stories have we read them we all will out? welcome them no because we said we might save them for a grave digging special i think we've so probably we've got a few in the grave back digging pocket. special but maybe we have enough for a grave digging uh feedback section special where we yeah, just do maybe. like six of them i feel yeah i feel like we've got yeah like five or six in the in the back pocket so yeah, I guess there exactly. is a big need for grave digging. You just don't think about it. No, well, you know, it's one business you think that's never really gonna. I think we talk about it it's recession proof, baby. Yeah. If anything, it's um, recession. Forward. Until we run out of land. Yeah, Once we yeah. run out of land, we're fucked. Exactly. Anyway, um, I feel like Oliver had more of his email. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So back to back to Oliver, who says. My question is about old games. I've been playing Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, a game that came out in 2003, for the first time ever thanks to it coming to Switch, and I've been loving it. Are there any old games that you have played for the first time recently that have impressed you? Thanks for the podcast and respect the sea, Oliver, or Darth Revelo, if you want my Knights of the Old Republic name. I'd Clearly love to know why. Oh, side. 
Revelo is Oliver backwards. That's <laughs> um, I genuine. That sounded like I was being sarcastic. That was genuinely clever. I like doing that for a Star Wars name. Um, uh, I think I talked about it on the podcast, but Forty um, K Space Marine I played for the first time recently. Hmm. That game holds up. Jesus, good stuff. Well done, Jason Isaacs. It's not really that old, but uh, last couple of weeks I played a play Tale Innocence for the first time. It's only like two years old, isn't it? Barely, I never I finished think. that. It's, it's good. Really I, it's, good. It's wild. The, at the ending end. is wild. Yeah, I would um, absolutely bonkers. I'm really looking forward to that sequel now because that is a very, very good game. Apart from one particular section involving a, a cart, which was atrocious, and Basically, if I was reviewing that game, it would have taken it down a whole score. It was so bad. It was the whole game is not difficult. And then that one section took me over half an hour. So I kept failing. It's not good. Um, apart from that, very very good game. Really good story and yeah, nice mix of puzzle combat and uh, stealth. I, I really think, liked it. I think the problem for us is like we often have to be playing the next thing, so I don't yeah. get a lot of chances to I look did. back. Over Christmas, I did play Fable 2 for the first time and really mm. enjoyed it. That's one. Um, not for the first time, but I have been playing uh, the original Max Payne through again. And those games still hold up. Oh. They're still fantastic. Um, Just wonderful things. Love them. Yeah. Max Payne mm. 1's way harder than you remember when you go back to oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'm just on... I'm about halfway through at the moment. I'm on the section where you just have to start with a baseball bat. It's, oh, a, lot, yeah. it's a lot harder than I remember. Actually, just trying to balance on those thin red lines in the <laughs> dream sequence is yeah. quite hard. <laughs> and jumping between, I was like, oh God, this is, you know, can't wait for those remakes, is what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, still amazing games. Um, yeah, I've not yeah. played, again, like you were saying, Joe, like you're so pressured sort of by the job to be playing what's new. Mm. Um, I've been playing um, the original Monkey Islands just Have as you? a prep work. Yeah, so I'm about halfway through. Me and my partner are playing them. She's never played them before, so I guess we should probably ask her what her opinion of them are, but she seems to be enjoying them. But um halfway through the second one at the moment, um, and they still obviously stand but up because the humour is second age. to none. Yeah, because they don't rely on anything apart from humour and good puzzles. Like Those games will never mm-hmm. age you. The playing them again, the puzzles in the first one, I think, are, are more obvious to work mm. out because it's all on one island. Mm. You're either on Scab Island or Monkey Island, and it's like, okay, what I need is on this island, whereas when you go to Monkey Island 2 and the map grows bigger and you've got Scab Island, Fat Island, Fat Island has a little like island off the coast of it, and Booty Island, it's then a case of like the puzzles are very much not isolated to the island you're on the solution to the puzzle you're facing on booty island might actually be on scab island Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit more like obtuse in monkey island 2 but i love the storyline and i love the humor of 2 so it still holds up as one of my faves so good i've got them on my to replay list as well Mm -hmm. just because i'm so excited for the new one too excited some may say why don't you let us know ign on school ukp back at ign.com if there's any uh old games let's say uh, i'm gonna say they have to be at least 10 years old that's what i'm gonna say to count as an old game so Does half the ones we mentioned All wouldn't right. have made it for our own. i've had get. binary domains sitting in my xbox waiting oh. to play again on 120 <laughs> fps mode for ages I and i haven't done it yet 120 yeah oh, um, i might do that i think i might do it soon <laughs> oh well we Very can't wait soon. for for that re- that that report uh joe you've got an email you're damn right, I do. It's from James Mole. He says, right, chaps, long time, first time and all that. Here's the thing. It sounds important. 
I found the podcast off the back off the back of stumbling on Prepare to Try way back when, and to be honest, Rory Cooper and Gav looked exactly how I assumed they would in my mind's eye, if that makes sense. So, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, Joe, this is, we put a call out for Who, people to write in. What do they think we look like if they've yeah. never seen us before? Um, I am slightly interesting interested in this, given that you say you watched Prepare to Try. And then they looked like how you expected them to. Doesn't make sense. You've seen them on screen first. So, James, picking holes in your story. Anyway, so, <laughs> cut to me listen to, listening to the podcast for years without ever seeing your faces. Apologies. I've never been an avid social media user. And by I'd this apologize. point, I was pretty confident I had a solid idea. Why should I doubt myself? Oh, how wrong I was. The closest <laughs> doppelgangers I can think of oh, for God. each of my auditory hallucinations are as follows. I fucking love this. I read this earlier. <laughs> Cardi. Captain America, but before the super soldier serum. It starts off so well. <laughs> but do you know what? I'm still... A weedy Chris Evans yeah. is still a good looking Skinny man. Chris Evans is good. Um, um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not like that. I'm much more... Well, I don't know what you'd... Uh, an even plumper Jesse Plemons? <laughs> um, Dale... Uh, somewhere between Carl Pilkington and Jason Statham if he'd never hit the gym. <laughs> Do you know what? That's kind of not... That's not I think not, Dale would be Not upset. a million miles away. But I don't think Dale's never hit... Dale, Dale hits the gym. Dale's not a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dale um, looks great. But, you know, he's not Jason Statham. I think he'd admit that. I don't think he would. <laughs> Jesse, I can't find a famous equivalent. <laughs> Sorry, I just had an image of Dale in Crank 3. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if like a lot of things that I can think of as um, who would who would fare best in the podcast crank. group, Dale would deal with the crank situation well. I think he'd find all sorts of ways to keep the heart going. Uh, Jesse, I can't find a famous equivalent, but having now seen a team photo, I actually thought Cardi was Jesse, except my Jesse has a magnificent beard. <laughs> so okay, is that so, so? Essentially, Cardi with a beard. So, yeah, it's what he thought Jesse looked like. Yeah. It's good. Yeah? Okay. Joe, an enigma wrapped in a mystery <laughs> with all the accents and voices he does. I didn't realise I do accents and voices as much. I do I silly know. voices, that is true. Yeah. But he always had tight curly hair like early Justin Timberlake. <laughs> so just any, any, like a, a, a shapeshifter, but the hair stays mm. the same? Yeah. Uh, you don't have curly hair at all, do I you? I don't. I have wavy oh. hair at best. Emma. Mm. Her calm and quiet voice always makes me think of Elliot Page in Juno if she was perpetually wearing a hoodie up. Which, oh, yeah. um, I think is quite a, like, poetic way to describe someone. Like, someone who always seems like they've got a hoodie up. It's, uh, it's like quite an, like an urban poetry <laughs> thing to say. Oh, yeah. Uh, Al. <laughs> this one's great. So simple. 90s Alan Shearer. <laughs> <laughs> Which is know. a real compliment. Alan Shearer was yeah. beautiful in the nineties. Oh, I like it. And him. he did have quite tight curly hair in his in his, well. in his Southampton days. Gorgeous yeah. young man. Oh, Matt, was that nineties? Anyway, yeah, yeah, Matt, you've you've got you've got off well. This here. is good, Matt. Very tall, very slim. Neil Patrick Harris with a sprinkle of Jared Leto. <laughs> oh, hello. That's, now, that's quite nice. just a pure. Visual comparison to Jared Leto is great. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just as long as there's no personality traits I'd that share. Do you know? What? I would, I would say with the, I wouldn't say you know, you're not super tall. No, you know. no, uh, a uh, mere five foot ten and a half, Cardi. Yeah, but um, 
you know, Neil, Neil Patrick Harris, he's not a lookalike for you. No, but, you not, know, a million it's not a million miles, miles. Yeah. yeah, Similar hair. And yeah, then yeah. Uh, we've also got a description of Alicia, um, oh. who hasn't been on this podcast for years, but we'll include it. Alicia, comedian Carrie Ad Lloyd, the girlfriend <laughs> of Jeremy's boyfriend in Peep Show Series 9. That's not a million miles away. No. Um, yeah, yeah. Hi, Alicia. Would be intrigued to know <laughs> if anyone else is, fits those descriptions at all. Um, I think we've covered it. Mostly yeah. not. Cheers for the many years of entertainment and for looking forward and for something to look forward to every Friday. I would say the weekend is also up there, but you know, oh, I'm yeah. glad we're part of it. Uh, and for God's sake, show some consideration and high regard for the ocean. <laughs> Do not drown. Don't uh, drown. Thank you for the email. Yeah, that, that was quite quite fun. And do you know what? Some of those weren't weren't too wrong either. So that's always good. <laughs> it's, um, like, it's like curly-haired mystery boy is. Uh, I'm very <laughs> I'm very pleased with. I don't often keep that mystery. Like, if I'm listening to a podcast now within like an episode or two. I'm looking. I'm, I'm finding what that person looks like. I like to have it right in my head. Um, I I like it when I there's pictures on the podcast art, mm. but I don't know which ones are which. Like, I Ooh. got all of last podcast on the left from their art confused with each other for about a year until I saw them in person. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Those, I've got that. They've all switched wrong. voices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's some freaky Magic. Friday shit. <laughs> uh, I've got a last email here from Jack Churchill who says, hello IGN crew. Hope you're having a delightful day. I am. Yeah, been, yeah very good. Thank you. Um, I recently got to thinking about how Fallout 4 survival mode turns an otherwise fairly okay RPG into a genuinely fantastic experience. Just want to say, Wonder- what, what were you doing? Are you just sitting down having toast being like, hmm, Fallout 4 survival mode? <laughs> it's a fairly okay RPG. Genuinely fantastic after I put that on. Having your toast. Um, one day, I'll write an, extor- an exhaustive essay sorry, on it because I'm a dweeb. But for now, I wanted to ask, are there any other games where altering one thing, changing one setting, unlocks the real fun or potential of the game for you? Even a small thing like turning the HUD off in God of War 2018, or knocking down the difficulty in Wolfenstein the New Colossus, for example. I just think it's an interesting thing. Uh, Anyway, big fan of the show. Much love to you. And of course, respect the sea. Big up Poseidon. Big Big up up Poseidon. Poseidon, indeed. Um, You've given my answer. Difficulty down in Wolfenstein, the two new Wolfenstein games. Mm-hmm. They are so much better when you don't have to pay attention to any of the fucking mechanics because <laughs> slightly boring games you, to play. You don't want killing Nazis to be a chore. No. Uh, same goes for Jedi Fallen Order. Turn that down to easy. Absolutely. Much better game. Um, I was trying to think of one like this. And I couldn't, uh, turning on inverted controls that. in literally any game. That's, <laughs> any game, yes. That's correct. Inverted is the correct way. That unlocks uh, the fun not... for me because I can play it. Yes. <laughs> Not a specific setting, but ignoring the idea that you have to play uh, Arcane's games in stealth. Mm-hmm. Like, like, literally just, like, the the beauty of immersive sims, and this applies to, like, also Deus Ex and stuff like that, is stealth is a, is a tool in an inventory of many other tools, and you should never be afraid to fucking chuck a grenade onto a rat and have that rat mm. run into a group of people. Like, there are so many cool things that I think, particularly um, Dishonored, because... People feel like the game punishes them for for being, and to a degree, I suppose it does. Like you will lead to the harsher endings, but um, you will have a lot more fun if you're willing to stab several men in very, very like floral fashion. Basically, mm. I'm not sure mm-hmm. it's the only way to play them, but I, in terms of like unlocking a different way to play, I definitely thought 
uh, when I played Medieval Total War back in the day, going in without the mindset of like doing everything right and doing it more for fun. Like mm-hmm. I had one game where I purposely tried to breed the worst possible king. Like I was just making people like have babies with worse and worse inherited <laughs> traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that became its own little game. I thought that was fun. I do think a recent example would be Deathloop having a actual the full online turned on not having Juliana played uh, by the CPU is a much more interesting having a actual enemy Juliana invading your game regularly makes it the game I think the game that's Joe shaking your head it I makes it a much harder game it does I liked it, makes it more it when I wasn't more stressed game. <laughs> <laughs> I get that but you know it's the way that's meant to be played I'm looking at my games trying to work it out uh, uh. <laughs> these days um, playing the original Halo games in co-op uh, like oh, any game in co-op to me is a better game I think yeah I think you're probably right as is life damn right um, damn right <laughs> yeah it's all love baby I, think. Uh, I can't think of any others hmm well um, I think we've given a few turning off yeah. the hot HUD in God of War 2018 is super interesting like I would never have thought to do it uh, and I would probably forget everything I could do but, it's very um, minimal hood, because I'm literally playing it at the moment. Yeah. It's actually a very minimalized hood to begin with, so I'm kind of fascinated to know what kind of feeling it actually generates. Emotion. Um, yeah. I, that actually, I mean, this is not changing anything about it, but, um, actually, well, I guess it kind of counts, like, just playing Elden Ring and not feeling like you're cheating by doing magic. <laughs> like, that unlocked yeah, it for I, me. I was thinking, like, that was the same, you know, I had a little rant about this when, I think, when we spoke about Elden Ring to begin with. Like, just summon to your heart's content. It's, like, way fun when you have other people with you. Oh, yeah. Doing stuff like big bosses where you've got four other players with you. Mm. I don't know what the... I've only ever done it with two other players in Elden Ring, but I can't remember. But I know that Dark Souls 3 supported, like, loads of people, and you could go in with, like essentially the whole fellowship of the ring with you just absolutely <laughs> fucking wailing on a boss but when i did like you know everybody knows that melena is a really fucking difficult boss oh, yeah. and i fought her with two people and one of them had got Rikard's uh blasphemous sword which can knock her on the floor and it was hilarious to have him doing that and then me and another guy with a massive warhammer just wailing on her like floundering oh, yeah, body I, I did it with the aid of uh one delightful companion called uh and or the mad who just uh <laughs> literally just fired super powerful spells out of his head it was nice. incredible <laughs> uh but yeah i love him i'm always will uh but yeah Maybe that's another one, sending feedback of something that unlocked a game for you to IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. I think that's super what? interesting. I would love Ooh, to yeah. hear more of those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what a delightful <laughs> podcast that was. I had a lovely time. Seems um, like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we've got to play some Top Gun music, haven't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Top Gun da, 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 just do this with me. Da, 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 da. What a tune. I might go with the guitar version. Oh, but fine. um Yeah, there we go. Here's some Top Gun music. Goodbye. Bye.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.